You're listening to And you're listening to the Collabcast, a podcast about pop culture and the creative life from an Asian American perspective. Welcome to episode 170, actually 180. 180, yeah. Of the Collabcast. 180. Friday, August the 24th, 2018. My name is Marvin Yue. I'm Angie Chang. And we are your hosts for this weekly look at pop culture from the Asian American lens. Uh, it is week four of hashtag Asian August. Um, we have been gorging ourselves with all sorts of asian american media goodness and i do not want this month to end i want to keep going it is gonna go marvin this is just the beginning (laughs) um our guest today we have a very special guest um a friend of both minji and myself and of the asian american media community in general we have mr david magdale with us hey what's up guys (laughs) he is of course What's up, Minji, Marvin? Glad to be here. What's up, Collab, Cass? <laughs> what up? <laughs> David Courses. Um, Asian American Lynn. <laughs> the man behind David Magdale and Associates, um, a PR firm. The man behind Asian America. Let's be, <laughs> yeah, let's that's be not clear. We're just, we just, we just part of Asian America. We're just trying to do what we need to do, right? Yeah. Yeah, but David be doing a lot. <laughs> David's been supporting the Asian American film uh, community for Long time. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm over here at uh, the LA Asian Pacific Film Festival as one of the co directors and have been with them 20, 21 years since um, 1997 when Linda Mabala brought me on to like work together with her and Abe Ferrer. So it's been kind of like, we've got history, right? <laughs> yeah. We definitely got yeah. history. And we're in a moment now which is like, you know, it's great. You know, we're just like you just said, hopefully, you know, Asian August can continue. So we have Asian September, we have Asian, you know, October, we have Asian 2019. <laughs> You know, so it's really exciting, I think. We're on track for it. I I agree with you. You know, it's like, you know, it's like, and it's not a, I don't think it's a bubble. um, And it's not an accident. I think it's just time. I think everything is coming together. And, you know, we're all like really high off of Crazy Rich Asians because the three of us had really been supported from the beginning. Yeah. You know, and so it's just, we want to. We want to just kind of, if we can keep that going. And it's not not everything has to be a rom-com. You know, we've got everybody doing everything, so I think it's good. I mean, it's great that people are now, people meaning the industry is now discovering this, like, treasure trove of new people that can create and tell stories so that they don't have to go through the same thing over and over again. And we're proving that it does well. I mean, I'm looking at the box office from Crazy Rich Agents opening weekend. Not only did it far exceed expectations, like, the Asian American community came out for this film, like 40% of all sales went to Asian American moviegoers. And the cool thing was I think uh, the Asian Americans also brought their we brought our friends. Yeah. And they weren't all Asian American. I mean you had your families go and I know the three of us we were like reaching out to all of our families all over like you know the US and (laughs) everyone was like okay we're gonna go we're gonna go but they brought people you know and so I think that's the thing I think 
that's why I said the timing is so perfect because I think everyone's been everyone when I say everyone the Asian American community has been waiting yeah. for something to happen that way and I think you know props to Warner Brothers for actually like getting behind the film in a large way versus yeah. not opening it like a independent you know foreign language film and then props to John Chu and to Kevin Kwan for turning something into something's modern I mean you know, everyone says, oh, yeah, 25 years ago we had Joy Luck Club. And I love Joy Luck Club, don't get me wrong. But that was like, it was a great story. But I I got to the point where it's like, do we need another immigration story? Which is, <laughs> I think we need all stories. But for a while we were getting a lot of those stories, which yeah. was good. But this one, it just, there was something about this. And I saw it for the first time with you, Marvin, when we were at, this, at Warner Brothers. And I remember my feeling was like, wow, you know, we've come into like a modern age. We get to see people <clears throat> that look like us doing things now in the modern time. We're not building a railroad. You know, we're not doing (laughs) stuff on the, you know, we're not hacking internet, things like that. And, you know, so we're actually falling in love. Yeah. You know, dealing with parents that may not want us or something and then playing Mahjong and using, (laughs) I mean, it was just like all that. I mean, not even that, but this was like, at its core, Crazy Rich Asians is a mother-daughter story. Similar to Joy Luck Club, but at the same time, it's different. It's like a modern take. And also goes to show there isn't like not all Asian moms are tiger moms. Like, And that was cool about <laughs> Michelle Yeoh, how she played that because she wasn't even like dragon lady, but yet she still had that yeah. vibe like, okay, I'm not feeling you. But she wasn't Miranda like dragon lady. Priestley. Yeah, it was, I'm it just was saying, perfect. That's okay. It was really good. And then that scene, that Mahjong scene, seeing it like on the eighth time seeing it, yeah. that Mahjong scene just plays amazing because they're like going and you could tell as actors are giving each other you know, enough to work with. So yeah. they challenged. It was really, it was really magical. <laughs> oh, it really was. Yeah. Well, I just want to point out, like I, I take, uh, I, I, Marvin's point out multiple times how critical I can be. And I am, but also like, I do take David's word in a different way, just because he's literally seen pretty much every single Asian American piece of film, like in existence. So I just say, when he say it's good, I'm like, okay, it's good. <laughs> There's a trust there, David. Okay. I don't know. I mean, it's just, you know, we get, I've seen a lot and always been into film, but I think, again, you know, everyone throws this around representation matters. I think we see it. It's even mattering even more to this new generation that's coming through, whether it's uh, the Z generation or even millennials who are like, I'm not going to wait anymore. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. You know, we see that's coming up now with searching next week or this week, actually. That's our thing, you know. You know, even Justin Chan last year, he started off with Gook. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to do this, and this is what I'm going to do on my terms. We do our own things, and we destroy the mayonnaise industry. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like mayonnaise, for the record. Um, <laughs> we'll get to, it is very good. Um, we're going to talk to David further down the show about his career in PR, in the film industry, and also his um, observations of the Asian American film industry in general. But we like to start off our episodes with our guests um, by asking our guests, what uh, what are you into? Have you been watching anything, uh, reading anything? I know you probably watch a lot of movies all the time, but anything that catch that like you want to You know, know, it's interesting because right now we're in August. Usually August is like a dumping ground for like films that are in the movie theaters, right in the cineplexes. But this August, I was blown away, not only just by Crazy Rich Asians and, of course, searching that's coming out. But also I looked at, you know, one weekend you could go see Black Klansmen, Sorry to Bother Mm. You, Blind Spotting, and Crazy Rich Asians all in one cineplex. Yeah. And it was like cineplexes. It wasn't like tar- left in over like in the art house where you had to like drive, you know, miles to go and see it. <laughs> but, you know, the, and the cool thing about what they all have um, together, I think that they share as a common line has been 
the diverse voices and the diverse faces and the diverse stories. And there was something for everyone. And every time I came out of those screenings, there was a discussion that was happening. Crazy Rich Asians, people were just celebrating, you know, and just like, wow. And I think there was like a, on Wednesday night when it opened and we were at the Arclight uh, Dome in LA, I think there were people that were in there who hadn't seen it before. And they were just sitting waiting to see. And these were Asian Americans who were like going, I don't know if this, I'm going to like this. You know, <laughs> I don't know if I can get behind it. And then when the credits rolled and it was done, everyone just like breathed. It felt like this group like exhale, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, and then you went out into the lobby and the noise level was so loud because folks were just like happy. And there were Asian Americans, which was about a good like, what, 50%, I think. And then everything else was mixed with their friends and other film people who wanted to see what this is about because we're in LA, so it's all film people. But <laughs> people were like so excited. And then, but then you came out of Black Klansmen, if you'd seen that too, and you just came out and you just wanted to discuss, mm-hmm. especially because the way that ends where it brings you back to you know, um, that torch thing that those guys did last year, you know, mm-hmm. and it was like, it was scary, but then people wanted to discuss. Yeah. Then you got like, sorry to bother you, <laughs> which, which yeah. is like, it just turns everything on its head. And then you've got mm-hmm. um, blind spotting, which talks about gentrification and yeah. where people belong or how, or how we belong and how we get along. And it just was so, so you asked, what am I watching? So I watched those, <laughs> I'm sorry. And then on TV, I'm watching, okay, I'm a sucker, but I love power. That's uh-huh. my jam. Right. So you got, plus it got Sung Kang and it's got, you know, Monique's, uh, Monique's in there yeah. and then there's a bunch of other folks that are in there. It's like, I like power and I'm also stuck on Animal Kingdom. Don't ask me why, but it's, <laughs> you know, it's interesting, but it's like, I watch that, I, you know, I watch it all, uh, all the time for other, um, that's, that's what's on my DVR. That's awesome. And Queen Sugar, Queen Sugar, right. that gives me, that gives me hope. And then this year on Queen Sugar, they added a Vietnamese character and I thought, Okay, Ava. That's our friend Vi. I said, okay, Ava DuVernay, work. And also it made sense. They didn't have to transplant this girl yeah. because Vietnamese people live in Louisiana because that's where they immigrated. Yeah. And it was just that, that show, and I'm just going to props to that, that show is so rich for all the right reasons. And then what I like, what they do behind the scenes, it's different women and different women of color and genders that are actually the directors on each of those episodes. So let me just prop out Queen Sugar. So those that's what I'm looking at right now. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Nice. No, don't, don't be sorry. Let's never apologize. No, no, okay. I won't for, but no, seriously. For, I mean, it's just sorry, like, not sorry. It's those, those kinds of things. But then on the other side, I loved uh, The Equalizer 2 and I loved Mission Impossible 6. I still need to see that. Yeah. I still need to see yeah. both of those. Yeah, they were, like there was so much they were so fun yeah oh, anyway um i did watch skyscraper which was a lot of fun i didn't see that though <laughs> and you know me i'm in docu- into documentaries so three identical strangers is like really like working i've heard about that yeah that's really good yeah. and then what we got coming up in september shameless plug is science fair from national geographic september right. 14th in new york september 21st in la september 28th san francisco and everywhere else but it's the best you know, kind of like, what do you call those? Like, it's not even a competition documentary, but it's like Spellbound, if you guys remember that. Yeah. Or Mad Hot Ballroom with these kids who are like 14, 15, 16, 17, who are going to the science fair and they like get turned on by trying to change the world. It's, I have not seen it yet because I missed it at Sundance and I missed it at I'll invite you. Other, We're doing a big screening uh, at UCLA coming awesome. up. No, it's, Me it's too. Really, that, yeah, I'll invite you too. But that's what I'm, you know, it's like the projects that we're working on, that's what I'm excited about. And then we're going yeah. to Toronto next week. And we have this film called, um, on, on, let me get it right, Anirara. And it's from Sweden. And it's this sci- a drama that takes place in science fiction 
And it's just crazy. It's kind of like the like what would happen to us if we don't take care of what we need to take care of now, mm. what the future is. But it's one of these films that will be a discovery, I think, at, at Toronto because it's not like Oscar bait, you know, not we're not pushing it for Oscars, we're not pushing it for this is going to open, but it really is like a festival film that I'm hoping that um, you know, um, film goers will actually you know, discover there because it has that possibility. Anyway, I'm sorry. Yeah, people talk. Oh, I never about... apologize. Sorry. <laughs> and, <laughs> sorry, I mean, sorry for apologizing. <laughs> that's why, like, I'm excited because I'm going to Toronto for the first time Yay. next month as well. I'm just, I'm eager to, you know, try to get as much as I can for the collabcast, of course, but also experience like a true international film festival because I haven't been to one of those yet. And, and what's cool about Toronto, they are so, and I hate the word diverse, but everywhere you look, it's such different people. They're advertising. You see yourself on that. Mm-hmm. You know, you, it's not just, you know, one one group of people, but you see everything. I remember that. I remember going to Vancouver with my girlfriend when they were about to release Kim's Convenience on oh, the air. And mm-hmm. it was everywhere. And I was like, we didn't get this push for Fresh, Fresh off, off the, the boat. boat. Right. And it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, even last night, remember, who was that that said, they said they were they got so excited when they saw the poster for Crazy Rich Asians on the bus shelters here. Yeah. And that it just made it like, hey, we can fall in love. Yeah. And that was like, you know, because I think <laughs> we as Asian people, we were always like pushed to the side or the best friend or the, you know, the John geeky Cho said smart that person. Last night. It was yeah. a John Cho that said that, right? Yeah. And it's interesting because he's come a long way, right? Uh, we worked on um, Harold and Kumar number one, and we worked on Harold and Kumar um, goes to White Castle, and that that one itself was even groundbreaking because there was bus shelters that had a brown and a yellow man on there. Right. You know, they were everywhere, and it was great. And they were, you know, it was like that moment. But how long ago was that too? Right? That was I was in college. I was like second year in college i remember because i remember were you because i was like was i in high school or was i in college you, you probably were you're in probably high school. In, you're probably a freshman in college at that point yeah I yeah because i remember watching in this, this specific apartment room that i remember being year two but i remember when they first announced that first trailer they didn't even like say john sean calpen by name it was like no. the guy from american pie right and the guy from Von van wilder right, right. right? No, exactly, exactly that. yeah yeah on the trailer yeah, that's, that's how that's how they that's how they positioned it. But then it was one that delivered. And of course, it's you know two goofy you know Asian dudes, which yeah. is great because we could play all that. And then you fast forward now, and John's going to be in this thriller as a dad. Yeah, you know. And then you had uh, that hashtag starring John Cho. Well, now we really have a for reals hashtag starring John Cho. Yeah, and it's so great because like people's perception of John Cho is still as like the milfed guy, yeah. right? Like, as like a bro, but he is like if anyone. If you ever meet him in person, like he is a true like actor, like he's an actor's actor. Like he oh, he's such a thespian, so <laughs> yeah. thoughtful and so deep, and just the amount of emotions he gets out of just being on like computer screens on this movie searching. It's like it right? makes you realize like we've been missing out on this John Cho for right. years, exactly. And it's really interesting that. It's taken him how long to be the leading man? And then the cool thing then, then you look at Crazy Rich Asians and you got Henry Golding, like leading man. And then next month he's going to be leading man with two white ladies <laughs> in, a yeah, simple, in a simple favor. And simple he's fine. Favor. You know, and he's yeah. like, and everyone's liking him. And so it crosses all those, all those, those color lines. And I think the thing that's happening, and you'll see that it's like now we've come, you know, we as, I don't know, I guess we as a community, we've come where we're now. The, that kind of like desired factor versus like, oh, that's that guy that's over in the corner. Yeah, we're finally allowed to be actual characters yes. instead of like a one-dimensional yeah. like prop. 
And I must say, in Crazy Rich Asians, those abs were like amazing. It made me want to go home and like work on my abs. Yes. No, but it was like it was. It had that was the other thing too. When you the first time I watched Crazy Rich Asians, I laughed, I cried, then I laughed again, and then just going through all the layers of everything. Then I, I had to you know pinch myself. I said, Did I just really see that? Did I just really see where? Asian men were thought of as sex, sexy and sex objects. Yeah. You know, did we see different people from different classes? Yes, there was that whole thing of like, oh, they didn't really bring the brown people in from Singapore and, you know, you know how they're treated. I think that wasn't that storyline. And there, there's a place for that in yeah. another story, and too. And I feel like you were talking about how, like, this month has been b- big for, like, uh, black films like Black Klansmen, like blind spotting, like, started to bother you. And not to, like, not, we're not making a competition, but I think having this film succeed opens the door for like our versions of those like more message films talking about like the struggle talking about um not the struggle but talking about like to talk about Everything. the, the breadth of stories that our community has and, yeah and yeah. daily life and yeah. we're not just immigrants coming over on a boat yeah and we're not immigrants that are still working on the railroad with pigtails mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's just like we are real people yeah. that have real feelings, and we're like not all like study zombies and Harvard educated, like. Well, uh, here's the thing: like everybody says that, and like the thing is, it's funny because when you're in LA, and I talk with with different actors or different storytellers or writers or what have you, it seems like the way that it's talked about, it's just really ironic because people talk about it like it's so commonplace. Like, well, we know everyone's not I'm like, do you know? <laughs> and again, where are you speaking from? Because you're speaking from a large, like one of the biggest metropolitan areas in the country. What about the rest of America? Yeah, you know what I mean. Just because you know doesn't mean everybody else knows, and. Some honestly, it's like for us. What John, another very eloquent thing that John Cho was talking about was making an analogy between when babies realize that they are human, um, which <laughs> when is they when they the discover right? mirrors. Yeah. You know, when they see themselves, like yeah. suddenly there's a reference and there's kind of a self awareness that emerges out of that recognition of self. That seeing yourself, you're like, oh, I'm not just a floating head because you know you're in your head and you're in your body and you're in your eyes. But seeing yourself gives you an objectivity about yourself is awareness and like that matters. You know what I mean? And that's, I think why everybody's being more emotional than they realize because they <laughs> right. realize that they didn't, ha- they hadn't seen themselves that right. way right. until now. And it, it's just really, it, yeah. again, conversation starters. This yes. is a start. And I think that's why I'm excited about the upcoming Netflix films. Always be my maybe uh, written by Mike Lomko, um, directed by Nanatsuka Khan and starring Ali Wong and uh, Randall Park. Because um, that is a movie where the main characters aren't super hot model people, right? <laughs> and, right. They're just regular. Folk. Yeah, and right. like, we regular people, regular folk. Not not to give any shade to Ali Wong and Randall Park, they're beautiful right. people. But you know, it's also cool that we're getting a chance to see like normal looking people fall in love. Well, I think it's also it's like like you know everything that I think our our actors are always looking for. Where's my three dimensions? Mm-hmm. You know, where's the I I don't want to just play this. I want to have roles that gives us you know uh, three dimen- three dimensions so that they can play being you know a real person. So, you know, and you look back at, you know, was it 16 years ago when Better Luck Tomorrow kind of came out? And it's really interesting, like right now, a lot of people are referencing that film as a moment in their lives. Uh, What's his name? Um, Phil Wong from uh, Wong Fu. Mm -hmm. And he had tweeted out that, you know, that film really made an impression on him and, you know, probably helped push him to go do what he's doing now with Wong Fu. Mm -hmm. But you look back at that moment. I was one of the lucky people to be at that moment, like in Sundance. Uh, when we premiered it with Justin Lin and everybody. Um, so there was myself that were, we were on the PR team, Annalie Paolo, Filipino-American, who was on that team. 
we had the guidance of Laura Kim, who was part of NPRM. And then it was Winston Nimana, who was on my team. And it was like, those were the people that we were kind of around it because it was, it was that Asian American film. Justin Lin was just popping through and we thought, okay, let's see how this is going to play. We were in competition at Sundance. So it was new because Sundance, you know, hasn't had an Asian American. They had Asian international and they've had like stories of, um, Asian stories that took place in the foreign in back in Asia. So like, um, I think it was three seasons that took place in Vietnam, which was amazing. Mm -hmm. And that was Tony Bowie back in the day. And they won every award that was possible at Sundance. But then, you know, when Justin brought, when they brought, when they brought Justin better luck tomorrow to, um, Sundance, it was like, Oh, this is going to be mind blowing. Cause before it was mostly all, uh, white films, um, that were there. Yeah. Well, let's talk about, um, better, better luck tomorrow at Sundance because, um, to me, that was something that that movie was really hyped up in my mind because it was coming out at the early days of social media, right? And internet. Um, it was pre like Facebook, pre like it was very pre Facebook. Yeah. yeah, but somehow I knew about it. My friends knew about it. And we were all like, we all had the same like kind of reservations we had with crazy agents. We were just like. Right. I hope it's good. Right. I hope it's, you know, like we, we all made plans to watch it when it was in theaters. Right. Um, but we all heard about it because of that inciting incident with Roger Ebert. Right. And so, right. you know, it's interesting because we were at that particular uh, incident with Roger Ebert uh, took place. I think it was our third screening at Sundance. And um, we were at the library, which is a large kind of, I think it holds like 600 people. Mm. And we were in the, um, you know, we were in the Q&A portion of it. And um, they were. Just, it was kind of going. You could feel like the room was kind of going down. And then all of a sudden, there was this um, this other this person this this uh, white journalist stood up and said, you know, basically, and I'm going to paraphrase this: like, you should be ashamed of yourself. How dare you make a film about this? You know, for your you know for your people or something like that. In that respect, it's on YouTube. So if you find it, you'll see exactly <laughs> what he said. And everybody went like, what? And then we were like, oh, shit, this is going to be like one of those Sundance moments, right? (laughs) And so then the audience took him to task. It was like, Mm -hmm. we didn't have to, Justin and them and Sung and the whole cast didn't have to. The audience said, no, you know, you're wrong. They should be able to do what they want to do. And, you know, there was all this kind of like great chaos. And for us as publicists, we're like, yes, we need this, right? I'm sorry. I'll be straight up honest. It's like, yes, okay, let's see where this is going to go. And then lo and behold, with all that chaos going on, Roger Ebert, you know, if you, for those of you who don't know him, he's like this huge critic out of like Chicago, may he rest in peace. He got up, he stood on his chair. Mm-hmm. And stood up and said and screamed out loud, This filmmaker does not have to make a film that quote unquote represents his people. He can make whatever he wants. No one would tell a white filmmaker to make <laughs> be ashamed of his people. And then it just went on, it blew up. And then at the same time though, because we were so excited about going to Sundance, uh Evan Leong, who was working on the film, he and his crew, I think it was Greg Louie, and there were some other people. They were shooting the whole time so that mm. we could have like the journey to Sundance, <laughs> right? Because like Justin was big on that, and they sh- we all got they got that on tape. They got the whole thing on tape, and that night we said, okay, we got to do something with it. So my team huddled. And we said, okay, next door is the Entertainment Weekly Party, and I know that some of the people from IndieWire over there. Let's make sure we dispatch some people over there, and we got to find one or two loudmouths. I forget who we found. 
So someone went over there, and I think I went over there, and we said, okay, we knew the people from IndieWire at that time. We said, hey, did you see where, jo- where Roger Ebert stood up and defended Better Luck Tomorrow? They said, oh, my God. You know, that became like a buzzy kind of thing. Yeah. So what we did was we went back, Evan and his team with the video people, we said, okay, we need to get this on tape. And back then, we didn't have YouTube. We didn't have anything. So we <laughs> transferred over. He cut its thing and, and transferred it to VHS. We went to Albertsons, the 24-hour Albertsons, and bought up all the all the VHSs we could get out of there. So there may be like, we ended up with 20, and we were duping it all night. The next morning, we went over to the press office, and we just put uh, tapes in every one of the different press people that we could that we knew would take it and run with it. And we just put a little thing with like, this is what happened last night. Wow. If you weren't there, you missed it. And then that kind of went, for lack of a better word, viral-ish, but it became that talk of that. And it was, I think it was at that moment and that when MTV said, okay, there's something here. And that's when MTV Films said, okay, we need to be part of this. Yeah. And then I think for us, though, you know, when you saw that, fine, you know, someone stood up for the film, not that it needed to be defended, but then it gave us, like, unfortunately, it did give us the permission to do what we're going to do. And yeah. it just kind of empowered us even more. I mean, not to say that we need the approval of like right. white milk heretics but like roger ebert was a guy who like the industry listens to right right and so that was right. a huge moment and that was like it was kind of like um it's like the like you know how most asian um like creatives like you don't really make it unless you're featured on like your ethnic newspaper of like origin oh it was obviously kinda, it was kind of like that where it's like Yo, Roger Ebert liked this film. That means it's good, right? Right, and then everybody else within our own community, well, if Roger Ebert likes it, then I must be, I must be okay to like it because I think yeah. our people always need like permission. <laughs> Why I don't know, but they right. they, uh, they always seem to feel like they need it. But the funny thing, I mean, the great thing was MTV picked it up, and the next year we spent taking it around mm-hmm. to colleges and really, you know, what. What uh, Crazy Rich Asians did with their outreach in was like about a month, right, Minji, when they sent everybody to different cities and stuff. We took mm-hmm. like a year to go around. We played a, a lot of the Asian film festivals and got people really excited about it. Mm-hmm. And so then when we ended up opening, I want to say it was March, April, in theaters, and they were very smart about it. We were the highest per screen box office average that 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 weekend and I think we only played like New York and LA maybe San Francisco and I think they did like close I forget what the number was maybe 30,000 per screen which yeah. was unheard of you know I mean the only thing that we were up against at the, not up against but at the same time was Bend It Like Beckham which was done by <laughs> oh, you know yeah. another fellow you know Asian American she was uh, living out here in LA at the time so it was like it was like a you know we had a, a moment then but then you fast forward now and someone said what does that compare to that I think it's a similar moment because I think a lot of people within the Asian American community, especially college kids, saw themselves mm-hmm. on the screen. You know, and that movie starts off funny and then it ends tragically. Yeah. You know? I don't know. What was it like for you? I mean, when you saw it. I mean, I, I'm older, so you, you know. <laughs> well, it was in my early, like, like early college days when I was starting to get into more independent type of movies. And parts of it was my, you know, you want to be like your older cousins. My older cousins were was all about like artsy indie movies. So I was like, okay, I got to watch this. But it did start me down the path of like figuring like John Cho's cool. What else has he been in? And I ended up watching Yellow. Yes. And, yes. Uh, which is like another great, like he yes. also wasn't the main character, but it was. Uh, he was part of that. He was whole, part of the whole uh, like, that ensemble. Yeah. yeah. And it, it just, um, it opened my eyes to the types of stories that we could tell that aren't just immigrant struggle and like parental pressure type right. of stories, which, right. um, and it, it reminded me of like, 
it was the first like Asian American story I s- I've ever seen on screen because right. everything else I've seen with Asians in it has always been like Asian movies or Asian right. soap operas, right? Things like that. So, right. um, I mean, it was definitely like it wasn't. It was one of those movies where I can tell I liked it. I can see why people wouldn't like it if right. they're used to like because the difference between like Better Luck Tomorrow and like Crazy Rich Asians, Crazy Rich Asians is a Hollywood kind of like rom com, rom com like comedy, easily right. like access like not easily accessible like right. it's um it's an easier swallow right 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 than a film like Better Luck Tomorrow which you know kind of forces you to be uncomfortable. Well, and the, but the cool thing I think with Better Luck Tomorrow, we I think a lot of people saw themselves because. Especially those who were um, super excellers in high school. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it was that time where a lot, some of my peers were there, like, or knew about the inciting incident, like, the, what, the, what the movie was based on. Right. Right. Because right. it's based on a true story. Right. Yeah. It was loosely based on that, on that true story. But I think most people, like, they saw themselves in that film, even like those party scenes, right? Yeah. Where they were going to go study for the triad. What was it? The decathlon. I didn't see, I, I never. Like I didn't drink yeah. until college, so was, I, mean, but, I was like, you know, but there were those who like they were like, yeah, that's who I was. I'm like, okay, that's interesting. I was more like, was were these parties happening, and I just didn't know about them. But then I looked at also to the the boys that were in that they were like friends. There was this they yeah. were they were like best friends. And I remember when I was in high school, we always had of your set of boyfriends or your crew. Say yeah. they're like maybe it's four to six people, but we always rolled together and we were. We were always, you know, studying, not necessarily studying together, but we knew we had to get good grades yeah. because that's what you had, you had to take care of home first. Yeah. And otherwise, that way your parents wouldn't, would be able to let you out on the weekends and do what you needed to do, whatever yeah. that was. And I still and remember I that. You murder somebody, but you know, whatever that was. <laughs> I still remember the line. It was like, don't let the Letterman jacket fool you. It's for tennis, which is yeah, right. like, that's so, the best. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the other thing too. When you look at that, when you look at that film now, it still holds up. And thank you, Jesus. It's on HBO. Yeah. So if you go on HBO, go for it. You can, you can find Better Luck Tomorrow on there. Yeah. I happened to be up one night, you know, um, surfing through and like, oh my God, Better Luck Tomorrow's on there. Um, but like you said, it's like, you know, the writing on that was so good. The way they shot that, the way that Justin and his whole team shot that, and the, everything was just slow. At that time, it was, like, perfect because it was, like, for us, it wasn't so, like, by the numbers, you know. So it was good because it was independent, and it was sharp, and it was edgy, and it delivered on that, and it had a soundtrack. Yeah. You know, it had all that going on in the layers, and you had the cheerleader girls, and you had this group and that group. And my favorite, though, is Takeshi. Mm-hmm. So Takeshi was the photographer, right. and now where is he? He's like everywhere. It's Aaron Takahashi. Aaron Takahashi yeah. I'm the president of the Aaron Takahashi fan club. <laughs> that's my boy. Mm-hmm. No, but I'm serious. Going, You've seen yeah. how long that's taken him to get where he's going, and look where he's at now. And I think that you know we think about that like here he is now as a quote unquote paid actor. Yeah, you know. And I wonder how many kids like me who watched that during college, like, are now working in. Like because it's it's enough of a gap like that like the people that watched it maybe got inspired by Better Luck Tomorrow are now behind the scenes in front of the scenes writing and like they they've had this movie as their like what is possible for a very very long time. And I, I hear that a lot, like at the different Asian film festivals, mm-hmm. when you meet other people and younger people, like it was because of that movie, it was because Justin Lin. And also I think, you know, not to prop Justin Lin, but he needs to be propped. It was like, you know, I think he was the first one kind of out of the gate in terms of for that generation. And um, that he, you know, went on and did, you know, he 
yeah. rebirth <laughs> Fast and Furious. And I don't know if that's everybody, every filmmaker's dream, but he was able to play in that. And if you take a look at all of his films, like in that way, like Fast and Furious, Tokyo Drift, and everything after that, and even Star Star Trek. You get that feeling that there's an Asian Americanness to it, mm-hmm. and maybe because I know him, but there's always something there. And usually, what it ends up on is the core, the core thing, the core values of those films are always based on family. You know, from Better Luck Tomorrow, it was still family, yeah. and then you go through, and everything was family. So it wasn't just the action and the dish and that. And so you look at how they set up Fast and Furious. It's, it's all about you know, family. Yeah, not familiar. And they're holding hands around a table, right? <laughs> but but I think that's that's a Justin Lin. That's an Asian American perspective as well. Yeah. I think because it's all about our families. I just generalized us all, but I think I think that you know <laughs> I think that's, that's where family. it comes from. And then I think it inspired you know a lot of people to participate. And that was a cool thing this year in a, a twenty eighteen at the LA Asian Pacific Film Festival was that the numbers of people who came out to the films and to be part of the workshops and stuff, they were so young. And they were, not only were they young, but, and LA has this thing where people just want to come hang out. These kids, and I call them kids who are much younger than I, they didn't want to just, they were just about hanging out. They were already working and working on another project or doing something with other people. I mean, I look at, uh, what's his name, who's in Crazy Rich Asian, Chris Pang, right? Yeah. And his crew, and that what's that other guy, or sick. Or Osric Chow. Osric yeah. Chow. And then his Andrea. Andrea Walter. So yeah. now they're all working together, you know, yeah. with Dante Bosco. Yeah, they're, you know? they, they're filming right now. In Manila. In Manila, yeah. You know, and so you got that going on. Then you got, like, the people from Fort Izzy doing what they're doing, right? Mm-hmm. You got the girl, that the woman that's doing, you know, White Rabbit. Then you got all yeah. these short Vivian filmmakers. Bang. And there was a vibe that I hadn't seen in a while at this festival. And it just gave me, as a veteran, new hope and felt like, okay, we're doing something right. You know, we have this festival that's an exhibition space, but it's also a space where we can all communicate with each other and use each other as resources. And that was important. And then the sad part was, you know, we got to see Elizabeth Sung for the last time. You know, Mm -hmm. may she rest in peace because she was such an inspiration to a lot of younger people and to all of her peers, both as an actress and a filmmaker. But she showed up for her screening, even though she wasn't feeling so good. And then she went to the other screen because she was in White Rabbit and she was always supporting. So you had that, you know, you had like, the godmother of everybody there and then yeah. you got all these people and then they're all working and it just gave me new hope as an Asian American that's been working in film that okay this is what we wanted to do with this festival in general was to incubate and to grow our own storytellers and our actors in front and the people that work behind the camera yeah speaking of new stories coming down the pipeline I want to take this opportunity to congratulate my co-host Minji Chang for making it to round two of the Sundance two, Film girl. Development Fellowship. Sundance Development. Round two. Congratulations. How many rounds are there, Minji? I think this might be the second final round. Okay. I, I have to verify because I, I thought I was just out. I was completely confused when I got my letter <laughs> yesterday. I was like, huh? Okay, for you. Because Good I'd seen uh, other friends get their, their notice. And these are awesome people. Like people from our community. Very creative. Amazing. I was super stoked for them. So happy. But it basically was like, to me, cementing that I didn't get in. <laughs> no, that's like, oh. really great. It's well, like college, right? Waiting for your acceptance list. Like, okay. But, but what's good about person- that, though, is like you said, there are a number of other people that got those same yeah, letters, right? I mean, as far as I know, there are four Asian API DA um, people who got who made it to the second round, including Minji, um, our friend Taz, Taz Ahmed, um, host of Good Muslim, Bad Muslim, uh, Trinity Shi, who is a, a writer. Um, I think she does sci-fi stuff. And Will Yu, um, the guy behind um, star, hashtag starring John Cho, he made it to the second round as well. So 
Um, I want to know what all their scripts are. I want to read them. <laughs> now the competitive part of me is like, hey, I want to see. Well, I'm also like just as a collaborator and a supporter, I want to be like, what's it about? But I'm also like, what's it about? <laughs> <laughs> no, but, I mean, but the cool thing, too, is like, okay, this is 2018. And it's like, this is this is the time, you know. This isn't just a blip. And it's like what you're doing, Minji, and hopefully what those other people are, are doing that have gotten those letters is you guys are writing. We need the stories. We need that. And it's like this is the moment to really get them out. Yes, Crazy Rich Asians has opened the doors, but we need to continue to keep coming through and bringing people through and then mentoring people. And it's like each one bring one, but also the stories need to be there because that's, you know, without the stories, we can't have those, you know, we, we won't have anything. And that's the thing that what I see from like then from like BLT, Better Luck Tomorrow to like now is we've got a lot of people who are talented. So no more people can say, well, there isn't a, we don't know where the talent is. We Mm -hmm. don't know where the, you know, uh, Asian American comedian is or the Asian American writer or the Asian American director or the Asian American DP. We don't know where that is because you can know, Hollywood can no longer say that because we're here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we're talented and we're, and we're showing up and we're coming through. I like that word, come through. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, we're we're, we're taking away your excuses not to do something. It's really special to like talk to you. So again, so serendipitous that I very much believe in the cosmos. You know, I believe things happen in accordance to like when they're supposed to happen. Right. And sometimes things like there's no such thing as wrong time. I think everything is happening in its right Right. time. Right. And you being on this podcast is really meaningful because David and I, the reason why we know each other and the reason why we became close friends is because of our friend Irene Cho. Mm. Oh, wow. And um, the reason why I submitted to Sundance was because of her. The whole reason why I went there in the first place right. because I used to look at Sundance as this like magical Narnia land where like legit filmmakers, like you need an invitation to go right. and I'm, I don't belong there. And she was the one like, girlfriend, come out and moderate this Asian filmmakers panel for me. Right. Thank you very much. And I came out and it just changed my world like instantaneously in 2016, changed my world in terms of what I believed was possible. And it's just weird because like, it's all there, but there's this like invisible barrier that you feel like, Oh, I don't belong there. That's not for me. That is that club. That is that place. That is those, those people that I don't belong with. And she really made that real for me. Right. Because I went there and I was like, oh, like we have, a, we're carving our own place. We're making our own space. Right. We're, we're having our own conversations. Right. So just shout out for her because honest, it's really crazy. A few days ago was her one year anniversary of her passing. Yep. And it was the last time I saw her in person, which was January, Sundance 2017, mm. that she told me we were in tears and she was holding my hand. And she's like, I just told her part of my story and part of what my family had gone through, the things I wanted to write, why mm-hmm. I wanted to write. And she's crying and she's like, she's crying and passionate and like sad and mad and happy and like encouraging. And she's, like, she's like, Oh my God, Minji, you really have to go, do this. Yeah, <laughs> you have to, you, you have to do that. I don't know what write. you're waiting for, Minji. Exactly. I love and she's just like, yeah. you got stuff to say, go say, say it. it. Like I'll say it, Minji. You. Yeah, no, exactly. So, and they're right. It's been a year. Wow. It goes by so fast. Right. Yeah. Yep. And it's crazy because the reason why I, I thought of that was the week before Irene passed away. And the reason why I started writing was the Charlottesville thing, which Black Klansman is about. Wow. Right. Right. And it was that occurrence that it sparked this like rage and just fed upness. You know, you're like, all yep. right, I'm done. Like, yep. I'm mad, but I'm not even mad because like this, this is going to keep happening. So yep. what are we going to do about it? Like that yep. was actually, it's just all kind of very 
cosmic because it's coming around a year later and I just got my letter and it's crazy. So I'm very, very grateful. We'll see. No, what I think, happens. and this is such a time, I think, for all of us and for, you know, all people of color, you know, but on the Asian American tip, because we have always been so quiet. And even people who've been at the table, they were like so afraid of their Asianness. And finally they can say, oh, yeah, hey, I'm Asian American. Well, Bitch, we knew that all the time. You just you know, <laughs> sat there, but you were just trying to hide. But the cool thing is, okay, there we know there are folks that have been at the table who've never really acknowledged their Asianness, and thank you goodness they're doing it now. So I prop them for doing it now. But if it wasn't for the people and the community who came out for Crazy Rich Asians to show that there is a possibility, and were gratified by it, and not everybody, but you know those who were and went back and see it again, I think that's telling, and also shows that there is a hunger, and there is you know there is a space for all that and all that. Kind of storytelling and our representation at the end of the day you know represent representation does matter mm-hmm. totally it does. does yes <laughs> yes but honestly david like i really one of the things that i'm very humbled by and i want to give you props is because there's a certain thing that like you know we get people talk crap about millennials and there's a certain shred of truth in that i think you know what stereotypes have some truth in it they're not they don't come out of nowhere you know and i think there's definitely a bit of this feeling of it's not conscious or intentional but there's sometimes can tend to be this air of arrogance and entitlement and i think it's incredibly humbling and important for my generation and the following generations and even Gen X, like we all, everyone needs to kind of like be humble. Like Kendrick Lamar says, be humble and sit down. Like you need to respect, like, and the Asianist mm-hmm. in me is like, respect your elders mm-hmm. because no matter what you are doing to blaze the trail, which like nobody's trying to hold you back. It's to pay homage and respect to those that came before you because all of this is building upon each other. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And like mm-hmm. that part gets lost and I'm constantly humble because I'm always checked all the time how much I don't know. You know, and that's the main thing I'm learning as I'm getting older, the more I'm diving into this industry that I have had all these opinions about. But then I realize in a lot of ways, like I had no idea all the mechanisms at play to make something happen. And it's very humbling. And it, you know, you can spin and be like, this is really empowering. Now I'm really knowing. Now I really know what it takes. And then I'm going to rise up to that challenge. But sometimes I feel like, you know, we're living in a world with like everyone has an opinion and everyone wants to be the authority. And I'm like, okay, have your opinions and make sure that they're researched and that, that you're, you're not speaking out of ignorance. And also just also, you know, give credit also to others be gracious and like give credit where credit's due and as much as i can gripe about predecessors like i also owe them a lot like there's no way i have the opportunities i have now if other people did not do work before me right you know yeah right so i respect you very much david like i had no idea the depth and breadth of your work and how important pr is like you guys going out and getting those vhs tapes who is going to do that you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Who would have done that? And someone had to do that. You had to have the idea. Then you had to go and you had to go to, what was it? Like, where'd you go? Like, fall Albertsons. We went Albertsons. to Albertsons and we bought out and all the VH it. tapes out. <laughs> It was, it was great. It was, and that was the other thing, you know, being on the BLT ride was like, it was a family. Like, you know, everyone was, we were all working for the right reasons. And it was like everyone on there, the casting people, the, you know, and Justin brought everybody to Sundance. And there was this family vibe. Our party after our first screening was such a release because they had, and I remember that party, you know, because folks were, 
were just really they weren't getting drunk crazy they were just celebrating and it was funny that that now that i think about it, it was that same kind of feeling that i saw on wednesday night on august 15th at the arclight cinerama dome just that feeling that hey we're here we've come there and i felt that same way on during our better luck tomorrow party that we had at, at sundance it was that same kind of feeling that went down like wow you know we're we're you know hopefully we're going to be going somewhere with this so you know it, it history repeats but you know it gets better all the time and you know the fact that warner brothers got behind this it's like really really good and you know, the council that all of us were on, like, to help out, you know, that Tara Potts over at Multicultural Marketing, props to mm. her, man. Yeah, She's the one that pulled us all together, and then she said, okay, what do we want to do? And she took every idea and ran with it. John Chu was part of that. He took every idea. So, okay, we're going to do that. We're going to do that. We're going to do that. And at the end of the day, it paid off. And it just, it like, really it is. was, like, really, really yeah. good. And it's been so awesome just seeing... Like during opening weekend, like the cast was, they were still going around yes. surprising audiences yeah. with like yeah. their presence, and everyone was like, it was just like everyone was just so excited that this was out in, in the world. Well, and also too, you probably just want to share the love and see what that <laughs> audience response is, right? Because yeah. we all know without giving anything away that that thing after the credits, people go bananas. <laughs> you know, they scream. Yeah. I mean, they, they really do. It's like wow, I still I, scream, and I know it's coming. Like right, 100%. exactly. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, but what's your, what's your favorite part in the film, though? What gets you? Oh, well, Aquafina, everything. The car scene is like my – in terms of laughs, like I laugh the hardest. And I think it's something I enjoy because I know how funny she is. And so whenever I'm in a new audience and they get to see it right. and right. we all get to laugh together at how hilarious she is, love that moment. But then the cry moment is, you know, wedding and mom. I like I like Aquafina on the stairs. And she's oh taking God. selfies. I died the first time I saw that. No, she didn't. And, and she's so perfect. But my favorite scene is that wedding scene when Miss Thing puts her gold toe in that water. It's done. I'm like crying. And then you got Keena Granis singing whatever that song is. I'm like, oh, my God. And then they look at each other and say, I love you. I'm, I'm done. I'm melting in my chair. I'm just boohooing. It's a mess. And it's like even on the eighth time, I find myself tearing up like, really? Yeah. Still, still, again. <laughs> I mean, it's it's definitely one of those movies where you can just watch it over and over again. I was telling um, our friend Jess too that it's gotten to the point where like the only other movie that I can like I I have memorized the beats, I can recite the lines was like Star Wars Episode Four, like <laughs> back in high school. Like it was it, like I've seen it that many times. <laughs> It's so, a very complicated movie uh, to be fun. like knowing all yeah. the beats too much. <laughs> so you know, for me, you know what it was back because this was I'm dating myself, so <laughs> I don't care because I, I know how old I am. For me, the one that I re- used to recite all the time—that's how low I am—was Superfly, the original. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I even I even went to the drive-in theater and taped it on a cassette tape so I could hear the whole thing again later. I, <laughs> I was crazy. I'd seen that like about twelve times, but anyway. Yeah. I mean, I just love it. listening to your story about like the hoops you had to jump through because you were like a pre-digital age, like these days it's just like uh, yeah, upload to YouTube and like send it to everyone exactly. like, email. Yeah, like, yeah. and, and that's blocked. when IndieWire was a um, Xerox newsletter you'd get under your door at the Yarrow Hotel at Sundance. <sighs> It oh wasn't, you know, that's where you got that. But we, it's funny because that night we just had to make sure that we went to the, uh, people went to the Entertainment Weekly Party, but then we started spreading the word and we made sure we went to the IndieWire guys and they mm. spread the word. They took it and ran with it too. It was great. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I love how we've evolved. It's so nice to get like reflection and see that there have been leaps and bounds, you know, and they might have been having 
like not as much of a splash, right? This is the biggest splash, but they've all, it's all been an incremental thing of growth and like perseverance. I love stories like that because nothing happens overnight. You know what I mean? Anything, any overnight success is never an overnight success. Any overnight success was like years and years and years of blood, sweat and tears. So, and also just like in the moment, quick thinking, right? Uh, Like, Mm -hmm. all right, we need to go and buy out all the VHS tapes. Everyone needs to know this. (laughs) Go. I I imagine that was an all-nighter for your crew, right? It was all-nighter. You can ask Evan and uh, Greg Louie and Anson. It was Anson. Anson was with us, too. It was like, we just were up just making sure it got done. But, you know, the thing was, we were having such a good time doing it. And and there was that purpose, you know? It's like, okay, this is what we're going to do, and let's just see if it works. And then it worked. And then it just kept going. That became that story. And then, luckily, you know, Evan had taped it and it became later on it we put it up on YouTube yeah. when there was a YouTube. You know, so it's just like one of those things. Well, thank you, Dave, and oh, to all pleasure. of your crew over at the Bear Left Tomorrow team for doing that <laughs> and really like so you can trace that moment to this moment. And yeah, it's, no, you can. Yeah. And even know. John Cho said that last <laughs> night when he was talking, like, you know, that was he hasn't seen a moment like this since Better Luck Tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. He may mention that. And know. yeah, to everyone out there making creating acting in and promoting yeah. you know these films you know thank you for your hard work oh uh, you're so welcome getting everything you know getting it, everything seen and at the end of the day too you know for all of us and those of you who are listening this is your moment you know don't don't sleep on this because if you sleep on this you're going to look back four years from like oh where was i and if, if i just end the question you want to ask yourself on this is like one in 2018 where was i number mm-hmm. two what did i do number three what did i stand for and mm-hmm. keep you know keep yourself in check in that way and go forward do it you know just do what you need to do everything else will come into place so yeah. anyway thank you for having me on this has been fun yeah Thanks thank you, you so much dave yeah. um if people want to follow you on uh, social media um <laughs> Uh, do you so post it? I'm, uh, I'm always on Facebook, so you can find me. And usually my handle on uh, Twitter is at nice, the letter one, Dave. So nice one, Dave. And the it. same thing on Instagram. <laughs> it was the like, same thing, nice and the number one, Dave. And it it came out of like, I'm a house music head, so it came from my house head days. So nice. that was like, that was I was nice one, Dave. Right. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Dave, for joining right. us. And no just worries. Just reflecting on on this moment. No, it's good. I'd love to hear yeah. from you. Um Thank you, Minji, for... Thank you, Minji. Congratulations, yeah. too. Congratulations. That's so awesome. Thank yeah. you. Congratulations, Minji. Our Time to write my butt off. Y'all ain't going to see me for like... I'm going to see daylight unless Good. it's We don't need window. to. We've seen you enough. <laughs> <laughs> Find if, me on Instagram. And you can follow me on Twitter at Marvin Yue and Minji as... Minji Z. With four E's. That's on Twitter, and I never go on Twitter. Follow me on Instagram. Minji <laughs> um, with two E's. As always, you can contact the Collabcast by emailing us at podcast at collaboration.org. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Google, Apple, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. Uh, special thanks to Travis Trail for use of his song Set Free for this episode's intro and outro. Um, special thanks to Visual Communications. Um, we are recording at the Potluck Podcast Studios located within the VC office. Um, VC, of course, is our uh, sister organization. Um, they're the ones responsible for the amazing Los Angeles Asia Pacific Film Festival, the Arm with a Camera Fellowship, and so much more. You can find out more about their programs by going to their website at vconline.org. Um, and don't forget to check out Collaboration. Um, you can find out more about our programs, um, including this podcast, at collaboration.org. And speaking of Potluck Podcasts, big thank you to the Potluck Podcast Collective 
for uh, letting us be a part of their group. Uh, the pod, look, the podcast collective is a collective of Asian American hosted podcasts featuring unique voices from the Asian American community. Uh, if you like our show, check out some of our other shows, such as uh, They Call Us Spurs, Called Muslim Bad Muslim, first of all, hosted by Minji Chang. You can learn more about the collective by going to podcastpotluck.com. And on that note, do it. <laughs> thanks, everyone. Thank, Thank you, Dave. You. Thanks, Minji. Right. We'll see you later. Bye. Bye, Bye. guys. Cause life is more than just a memory She said, it's time, I'm ready to go I'm leaving my tears on the side of the road